Girl Clothing is so much more than clothing. We are a movement. We have collectively decided to stop seeing each other as competition and instead seeing each other as sisters because we believe that is why we are held back as a gender and we are tired of it. So we are coming together, sharing our stories, our experience, strength, and hope to know that we are not alone and to hear that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we are moving forward. It is 100% girl power. We know that if the women energy is not lifted up across this planet, we are doomed as a human race and we are here to change the game. So please help me welcome back our host, Tavra Lee. You are listening to another episode of Girl Talk, where we are spending time with some of the most amazing women that have stories to tell. And they're sharing inspiration and courage and bravery. And we're talking about some hard stuff. And we're talking about how to come over those hard things and how to come out on the other side and what we can do to help women who are facing similar challenges. Because the truth is we all face challenges in one way or another. And it impacts our ability to make decisions and how we feel about ourselves. But one thing that I do know is that in order for us to grow and get somewhere that we haven't been before... We need to be able to see what that's like. We need a model set in front of us. And so when women are struggling with something that they haven't experienced before, one of the best ways that we can help them is to really just show them someone who has overcome something and give them the courage to do it too. So today that's what that's going to be because I'm talking to Jupiter. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And aren't you just proud of me because I just said your name right. You did. You I mean, did. Most people are not going to think that Jupiter is really hard, but if you would have heard all the preamble to this recording, the funny part is I keep calling her Juniper. So if if you if you hear Juniper or Jupiter, she says she's going to respond to both. But anyway, it, you'll just know that her name is Jupiter um, and any lack thereof uh, that happens in this show is on me. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to blame it on how many hours of talking have I done today, Heather? I'm going to say like five hours. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, mean I'm, I might be allowed to have the little miss of words on occasion. We'll now. give you a little grace. Yeah. See, I appreciate that so much. the apple doesn't fart. Fall far, see, too you far just from see? the tree. <laughs> <laughs> my, my words are getting a little mixed up too, I you know. know. It happens. We say, we, we misspeak sometimes. But anyway, I'm really happy that you're here. Thank you. And I'm glad that you met Courtney and had the chance to come to Girl Live and to be on our show. I know that you were originally planned to be here at this conference because you're a sign language interpreter and there was someone that was deaf that was going to attend and you were going to interpret for her, but then she ended up not being able to come and then Courtney's like, well, you should just come anyway. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy weekend. Um, last week on Thursday, um, just a woman approached me and told me about this conference, said there was someone that needed um, an interpreter and I volunteered for that and then... Just it just kept going and it just keeps getting better. Every single moment here just improves the moment even more. So I'm just excited to see what comes next. And why do you feel like you connect with this community? Um, this community is full of women who have such power and grace and they hold themselves like they can change the world, which I truly believe is the case. Um, I've met the most incredible women here tonight. Yesterday I talked to this one woman for three hours um, and we just connected on such a level. Um, for me personally, Courtney's movement really sticks with me. Um, I've always struggled with body um, image. When I was nine um, is when everything really started. I got a lot of comments about how I was chubby or I had a poochy belly or chubby cheeks or a big nose. Um, I just got really self-conscious and just stopped loving myself. Um, I always looked at, oh, who can I be next? Um, I always wanted to be my older sister or my older cousin or um, Pink the singer, um, mm -hmm. just anyone but myself. 
Um, I, um, when I was nine, um, my diet was slowly monitored. Um, just certain foods, they'd be like, well, well, you don't need to eat that. Um, do you really need the extra calories? And that Things was like by that. your parents? That was by my mother. Okay. Yeah. Um, just slow comments, nothing super in your face, but just slow things to make me realize that what I, what I looked like wasn't appropriate. It, being chubby was a bad thing. It wasn't just a fact, it was negative. Um, that slowly got worse. Um, when I turned 15 is when it got really bad. Um, I, it was the summer after I turned 15. This martial arts place had a really good deal. $100 um, for the entire summer of free martial art classes, as many as you wanted. Um, I took this as an opportunity. I loved martial arts. Mm. I took three classes a day. Um, right from the beginning? Right from the beginning. At 15? At 15. Took three classes a day. Muay Thai, cardio, kickboxing, and jiu-jitsu. Um, I would go to the river after each class, waiting for the next class. And I would swim. I would do backflips off this little tiny waterfall. I would swim up shore. I would do anything to keep my body moving. Because I knew a moving body would be a thin body. Mm. Um, I, for that summer, I ate craisins, tilapia, or chicken, um, almonds, or spinach. That's all I ate. Those were the only foods I would eat that whole summer. Um, I never kept track of calories at this point. It was just I knew these foods were safe foods to eat. So, okay, so let me ask you a question. So how fast did you start losing weight? Like how significant was your weight loss? Because it was your goal at that point to get quote unquote skinny? Yes. I didn't have any weight goals in mind. I just wanted to be thin. I wanted a flat stomach. I wanted a thigh gap. Um, I started off with at 145 pounds. By the end of summer, I got to 125, um, which I soon learned was not healthy, mm. but it was significant to me. I knew I could do it. I did that with myself. I, no one else could do that for me. Um, it became an addiction. Most people don't think that weight loss or eating healthier or working out is a bad thing, but it is when it becomes an obsession. Mm -hmm. um, when I turned 16, things got a little worse. Um, I got this app where I kept count of all my calories. Everything I ate was in the app. I slowly realized I ate more calories than I thought. So I decided to set a goal. My goal was 800 calories a day. Um, that was pretty sustainable for me. But that's, that's not enough. No. Especially with still a growing body. And a growing mind. Yes, it was very damaging. I it was cold all the time, and it was the middle of summer in Texas. Um, I was weak. I couldn't do martial arts anymore. I couldn't do any activities. I was, people would call me lazy, um, but I wasn't. I was just too weak to do anything. That was before or after you got to 125 pounds? Um, that was, I got to 125 pounds the end of summer when I was 15. I got, went back up to 130. And then through the summer, I was trying to work down. Um, gotcha. So my goal weight at the beginning of this summer was 100 pounds. So I wanted to lose 30 pounds in a summer. Um, I was on Pinterest one day, and I met this girl named Melissa. She was posting depressing things. I reached out to her. Um, we had conversations. We really connected. Um, Melissa struggled with anorexia and bulimia. Um, I wasn't super familiar with the words. I didn't know what they meant. They sounded like dinosaurs, so I was like, must mm -hmm. be pretty cool, right? It's got a cool name. Um, slowly I realized that... They were dinosaurs. They were monsters. Um, Melissa started teaching me how to be anorexic and bulimic. Um, not purposely, just through her story. I learned all of the tricks, which I'm not going to share. Um, yeah, let's not pass that on. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I learned tricks on how to be thinner. I learned tricks on how to pretend to eat. 
I learned all these different tricks that would soon lead to my fall. Um, fast forward, um, by the end of the summer, I was on the couch and I was falling asleep. I got a full night's rest. I couldn't keep my eyes open, couldn't move my arms, couldn't lift my arms. People would talk to me and I couldn't hear them. Still 16 years old. 16, yep. I couldn't hear them. I couldn't understand. You were dying. I was dying on the couch and my family was watching me die. Um, I don't really know if they know 100% what was going on. Um, I was pretty good about it. You don't know now it. or you didn't know I then? still don't know. I still don't know if they oh, know really? about it. I've never admitted I was anorexic or bulimic until I talked to you about this and I talked to Courtney. Um, I've never openly admitted I had an eating disorder. Um, it was just me and my dieting. So you know that this is going to be shared? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I decided I had two options. Either I can hide or I can share it and help people not go through the same path. So what happened after that summer, that part of the summer when you were on the couch? How did you get up off the couch? Because you appear quite healthy now. Yes, I'm healthy now. You, and you look beautiful. Thanks. I mean, you look amazing. So how did you get from there to here? Um, my mom forced me to eat that day. Um, so that's what makes me think that she did kind of know what was going on. Um, when I got better, I still got worse. I, when, as soon as I finished eating, I learned that I couldn't do 300 calories a day. I had to do, I had to stay at 800. Um, so I did that for a while. And then eventually I just stopped counting the calories cause I already knew what they were worth. I already knew what I could eat, what I couldn't eat. Um, fast forward. I'm now eight. I, I was 18. I went to college. I couldn't afford to buy food. So it was an easy excuse to stay thin. Um, my mental health was decaying. Um, I was sent to a mental hospital. Um, okay, wait. So you you graduated high school in time. So you got up off the couch. You ate enough to, to continue on with life. Yes, ma'am. No conversations were happening in your family at the time. None. They were not saying what's wrong with you. They didn't take you to the doctor. No, no. It was you eat to survive. So they knew. So they knew. They must have known. They must have known. I, I, I suspect that if your family listens to this show, um, it's going to be hard for them. But they're going to say... That you're that they knew that that's what was happening and that you've come a long way. Yes, for sure. Um, they tell me that I've made a lot of progress. Um, we don't mention specifics, but I've made a lot of progress. Yeah. So you started eating a little bit. You got your calories back up. You graduated high school. You went to college. Yes. And you were still having issues around food. Yes. Um, I ate potatoes. Like um, I would make myself homemade French fries, and that's what I would eat. Um, occasionally, I would help people in my college learned how to cook and I would take one of their meals, but it was nothing sufficient. Um, at this point I was about 130, 125 pounds. Um, I had a scale. I always used the scale every morning, every night. Did you feel hungry? No, I stopped being hungry. I still don't get hungry. Um, it's a very rare occasion. Even after I'm recovered now, I don't get hungry. Um, there's a lot of long-term effects to, um, throwing throwing up food that you eat or just yeah. starving yourself yeah um, bulimia was always there when I messed up when mm -hmm. I ate too much when I got as I would say in the past greedy mm -hmm. um but food is not something that needs to be your enemy um so I learned this when um I was put in an institute for having a psychotic break um they didn't know what to call it um, I think it was my body just giving up. Um, I this was hungry. This was in college? This was in college. Um, 
my body gave up, my mind didn't work, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating, I wasn't taking care of myself. Everything was just surviving and I wasn't even doing that well. Um, they sent me to the hospital to take. So what happened? What was the incident that required you to have hospital stay? Um, this is, um, I just started having really paranoid thoughts, um, just very unusual thoughts about what was going on around me, just weird mm. conspiracy theories. Okay. Um, and then I was put into a 20, uh, 48 hour hold where I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't drink, I wouldn't do anything. And they were like, something's up. So they sent me to an emergency room, tested my levels. Um, they were not sufficient. Um, it was very clear that I had an eating disorder. Um, they put me into an actual institution where I stayed for, I don't remember if it was three or five days. Um, they put on my record, I had to eat double meal portions, um, which is which made me want to throw up all the time because eating that much food after eating nothing is a lot. Especially right off the bat. Exactly. Um, I wish I would have been weaned on food a little easier, but um, that just, it wasn't happening. And I just realized at that moment that I had to change. There's no way I wanted to be back in there. Um, I did not want to feel weak. I did not want, I lost control and I want to be in control of myself. And at that moment, food was in control of me. Mm. Or your, I want to say your, what you were lacking in terms of how you felt about yourself was in control of you. Food was how you controlled that part of it. I think that's a very accurate statement. Mm. Um, I want to say a quote from one of my favorite poets. Her name is Blythe Blard. Um, I'm a poet. I have two books. Oh. Um, I have quite a few poems about um, generally anorexia and bulimia. I never mention it's me. All my books, I say, they're not about me. Obviously, there are some aspects that are true. Yeah. Um, and one of her quotes say, um, if you develop an eating disorder when you are already thin to begin with, you go to the hospital. If you develop an eating disorder when you are not thin to begin with, you are a success story. For me, when I was anorexic and bulimic, people congratulated me all the time. Wow, you look like you've lost so much weight. Congratulations. How did you do it? Wow, you look great. I'm so glad that you're healthy now. I wasn't healthy. I wasn't healthy at all. I was healthier when I was chubby than when I, quote unquote, got skinny. Is there ever a part of you that wanted to reach out and say back to somebody, well, do you want to know how I got this skinny, what I'm doing? Did, was there ever a part of you that wanted to lash back? Nowadays, yes. Back then, I was proud. Uh. They saw. They saw. And I had some secret to how to lose weight that all women, I thought all women wanted. This magic secret that I had. I thought they were jealous because I knew how to do it and they didn't. Little did I know that it was just destroying me. Hmm. So what happened in the hospital? In the hospital, I was heavily medicated. I ate all the time. I met some very interesting characters. Um, we went to the therapy. The therapy classes were not the best. Um, I have to, if I can say one thing, it's the mental health services in America are terrible. They had us in there as long as our insurance paid. They did not care about us. We were a number. Um, so I, w I definitely want to, to get involved and try to get people just better services because mm -hmm. our system is really lacking in that. And I felt like if I would have had better support in that hospital, I would have had better self-image now. 
Um, even after I left the hospital, I still struggled. Some days I would just skip eating. Um, it was still a battle because nobody was there for me. Nobody walked me through So it. and where was your family during this time? Um, they were in Texas. I did college in, I took college in Colorado. Um, I never really had a good relationship with my mom. Um, my dad was busy a lot. Um, I did not like my older sister for stupid childish reasons. And my younger siblings were too young to understand. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just isolated myself. I did not trust right. anyone. Um, cause I knew deep down that if I trusted someone with this secret, that they were going to force me to get better. And I didn't want that. Yeah. Well, plus saying it out loud makes it real. Exactly. Um, admitting that you have a problem is the first step to getting better. So during this time that you were at the hospital and going through this, you were by yourself? I was by myself. I didn't know anyone there. Um, this was my first semester of college. Um, I later learned that um, this guy at my school wanted to take, uh, take the school, take some people from my school and visit me at the institute, but I got out um, before they could actually make plans, um, which was one of the main reasons I wanted to get better seeing that people, people cared about me. I always felt like when people said they cared, it was very fake. It was very, you have to say this. Mm -hmm. um, but this was the first time someone put effort into actually caring about me. Um, I felt, that's how I felt, you know. Um, it was good to have a support system. I wish, yeah. that's, that's what everyone I feel right. going through this needs. And it may not always be your blood. I mean, your, your tribe, the people that love and support you unconditionally are not always the people that you're related to. The fact is, is that you can be born into a human body that's just not connected spiritually or personality wise to the people that, you know, that are a part of your family. That means you need to find your tribe somewhere else. Yes. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love this conference, the Girls Live. Um, again, I show up here and within an hour, I've met probably one of the coolest women I have ever met. And we yeah. sit there and talk and I've met countless women today. Um, I even got to meet my idol that I've pretty much worshipped since I, uh, 2015. Um, she showed up and I just cannot believe she is here. Are you going to tell us who is it? Yeah, it's Amber, the American oh. sign language interpreter. Oh, yeah. Um, she, I saw her on a video, um, in 2015 where she changed the way that music's interpreted in sign language. And I've been mm -hmm. signing since I was five. Um, I know sign language very well, but I know the native, I don't know all the proper terms for everything. Yeah. Well, how, how did you get into sign language? Like, what's the reason? I don't really have a reason. I watched signing time on Netflix, on PBS and just fell in love with it. It made a lot of sense to me. I just started meeting deaf people, talking to them, picking up signs. And then I just had a bunch of deaf friends and you just kind of learn sign language from that. And oh, interesting. It just works better for my brain, I guess. And is that, is that something you can do for a job? Yeah. Next, next year I plan on getting more, um, college credits so I can be an American sign language interpreter. Um, afterwards, again, Amber is my idol, so I'm kind of following her path. I want to yeah. start a entertainment industry company where it's a bunch of people doing all types of entertainment, dancing, singing, lip sync battles, drag, anything, but in si using sign language um, along with music or along with other things. I met a deaf mime and he was incredible. Like the culture and deaf culture is so animated and so fun and just so visually stimulating that I feel like we're hogging it. You know, we need to share this yeah. with hearing people. And I feel like hearing people need to share their music and share some yeah. of their culture. And we just really need to work together. I love it. I can see that you're in a very good place right now. And I congratulate you for making it through to where you're at today. Although I'm, I know that your journey is not by any means over. Um, but you're so super smart and self-aware and connected, um, that I'm glad that you're here. 
thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad that my story won't go to waste. Yeah. So, so tell us, so let's go back to that story. So when you left the hospital, what did you do then? And when was that? Um, that was 2017. Okay. Um, it's 2019 now, as everyone knows. Yes. Well, maybe not. They might be listening to this in 2025. That's true. So two years ago, this happened. Um, and since then I've tried diets, but I've always been healthy about it. Um, since that moment on, I, again, I realized that I can't hold this anymore. I have to start getting healthy. Um, I still, I still struggle with body image. I still want to lose weight. I still want a flat stomach, but this conference is really helping me just accept who I am as where I'm at. And it's okay to have goals of what you want to be, but it's not okay to put yourself and your life in jeopardy and your happiness in jeopardy to get there. So I've been trying just better eating habits. I don't, I don't even want to call them diets. Mm-hmm. I've been trying better eating habits. I yeah, want to eat. It's a lifestyle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I went vegan for six months. That was an interesting experience. Um, since I've been having the eating disorders, anytime that I, I am slightly deficient in anything, my body shuts down and I get really weak. Mm-hmm. Um, still two years later after I'm fully recovered. Um, so it's not something that just goes away. Um, it's a lifelong sentence. Um, so sometimes if I don't eat in the, I can't, I usually can't eat in the morning or I'll throw up. Um, that's just an old habit that my body got used to. Um, so now I'm just retraining myself that food is okay. Mm -hmm. I know that I need to eat healthier, but I also need to make sure that I'm eating enough. So Mm -hmm. the app that I used when I was anorexic and bulimic to keep track of how many calories I still use, but I make sure I hit my whole calorie goal. Mm -hmm. I make sure I hit my my 1,800 to 200 and 2,500. I make sure the app is no longer trying to reduce calories. It's trying to gain calories. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And how, and how do you, like, what, how do you feel the next stage is going to be? What's going to be the hardest challenge for you in the next year or two? Wow. Um, that's a hard question. Um, I turned 20 this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and the day I turned 20, my whole life just seems like it's gotten, it's just gone uphill. It's been amazing. Like I've, I've loved it. Like truly everything that you've just described has all taken place before you even turned 20. Yes. Um, and that's just a tiny fraction of my story. I've, lived an insane life, <laughs> but we yeah. don't have time for that. <laughs> well, I think that you're on the right track. You know, um, there are several ways in which you will get to the place that you need to be to shine who you're supposed to be. And none of those paths are ever clear because to be something great, you have to go through something great. I, and I, I just, I'm a believer in that in my, I sound like I'm trying to be wise, but in my 45 <laughs> years, one thing I know is that the most successful, intelligent, wonderful people are those that have lived and most of them have seen hell and come back and you've done all that at a young age yeah um so i'm glad to get all of my uh, not all of it but a well, lot let's hope you're, let's hope let's all hope, of it yeah um a majority of my heartache over but i'm so blessed to have that heartache because now i can reach women that i wouldn't before mm-hmm. my i am one person so one per me one person experiencing that pain now i can reach out to hundreds of women who perhaps can either not go down that path or get recovery, healthy recovery. Um, just because I had to go through it doesn't mean other people have to. Yeah. I can use my story to help other people. I can be like, I've been there. This is what I did to get out of that. Right. So let me ask you one last question. Um, if there, if there's somebody that's your age, um, that, or, or any age really, that is contemplating any avenue possible to get a flat belly, um, because we know that 
that's what society tells us that we're supposed to have. You and I know that that's not healthy and not everybody is built for that. That is genetics. Um, if they're contemplating unhealthy choices to get to that place, what would you suggest they do to avoid it? First, um, change your mindset. One thing I wish I would have realized back then is it isn't, um, society likes us to believe that the only pretty women are the 5'10", blonde hair, blue eyes, flat stomach, thigh gap girls. And that's not the case. Everyone has a type that they find beautiful. Not everyone's image of beauty is the same. So to try to fit into one size of beauty that is not you is not being true to yourself. You need to find what makes you feel beautiful, not what makes other people think you're beautiful. You need to find what makes you feel like you have value, what you have worth, and maybe find somebody who you look up to and go to them and perhaps just sit down and talk to them about how you feel, what is causing these insecurities and body image and just having them as an accountability partner being like, Hey, you know, some, I just, I felt like I shouldn't eat today. And you can just call them and be like, you know what? You are enough. Everything about you. Like today, this whole conference is about, I am enough. And it's just having somebody to remind you that you are enough, that you are beautiful, even though beauty doesn't really matter. There's nothing. Well, beauty comes from the inside. We, we, we focus on the exterior, but really what's on the inside is, is more, way more important. And I know that sounds very cliche to say that, Mm -hmm. but the truth is it's, it's true. Yeah. Um, just a beautiful heart is what you should be seeking after. Beautiful soul. Yeah. Thank you. Jupiter. <laughs> Thank you so much for having Did me. Did you on hear here. me pause there yes. for a minute? I'm like, uh, I didn't know. If, I, I, I didn't know if you're doing it dramatically. I or... was doing it dramatically. <laughs> I'm never gonna forget it's Jupiter now. I I'm I'm in awe of you. In a very short amount of years on this planet, you have learned lessons that are greater than the majority of people that are my age. So, I am super honored to know you and grateful that you're willing to share your story. And glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. And I'm going to, I think, did we get your, all of your social media handles and I can drop them in the show notes for you? Yes. Yes, you did. Okay, wonderful. We will let you know um, when the show comes out so you can share it because I have a feeling there could be some reactions in your life when you share this show of your story. Yes, definitely um, anxious to hear <laughs> what people have to say, but I'm going to try to keep in mind that this is special. This is special and that what I'm doing is matter and yeah. other people's opinions of me sharing my story should not be important to me. It's let's just say that they are not. <laughs> exactly. Not that they should not be, they're not. They're not important. They're not important. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, those of you that are listening to Girl Talk, thank you. If you are on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, please leave us a rating, give us a comment, and we will be back too soon. This is Courtney Olson thanking you for joining us. If you want to keep up with us and join us some more, find us on our website at girl.com. That is G-R-R-R-L-G-R-R-R-L.com. You can find our newsletter on there to sign up for that and stay in the now. Or find us on our Instagram at girl underscore clothing. That's girl underscore clothing. And remember, you are enough.